Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on State of the World, a rare look inside Nicaragua. Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories up close where they are happening. I'm Christine Arasmith, and we're revisiting stories of the past year. Today, a look inside Nicaragua. Over the past decade, this country has become one of the most authoritarian in the Western Hemisphere. And for more than a year now, Nicaragua has also kept foreign journalists out. But back in July, NPR's Ader Peralta managed to get in and brings us this exclusive look at life inside Nicaragua now. He spoke with Morning Edition's Michelle Martin. So before we get into your reporting, can you remind us how Nicaragua got to this point? So you need to know one name, President Daniel Ortega, and he led a successful revolution against the military dictatorship in the 70s. He lost an election in 1990, but he came back to power in 2007. And since then, he has done everything to remain in power. But things got really bad uh, beginning in 2018. That's when thousands of Nicaraguans took to the streets and they called for his ouster. Ortega responded with violence. Some 300 protesters were killed. And then Ortega bulldozed the opposition. He jailed nearly all of his opponents. He went after the Catholic Church. He closed down newspapers. Whole newsrooms are in exile these days. And immigration authorities started denying entry to foreign journalists. So how did you manage to get in? And I do want to mention that you are now safely out, so we're not compromising your safety by telling us this. How'd you get in? I have a Nicaraguan passport, and I went through a rural land border. Uh, My bet was that authorities wouldn't ask me too many questions, and I was right. That's how I got in. Okay, so take us there. What did you see? What did you hear? So one of the first places I went to was Masaya, and that's a little colonial town that was the epicenter of the rebellion in 2018. These days, everything points to normal. People are out shopping, going to church, to school, And the rebellion that once burned through these streets is extinguished. I meet Graciela, who once volunteered to treat wounded protesters in the back room of a business. She asks that we not use her full name because she fears retribution. In 2018, her whole family joined the demonstrations. They thought President Ortega was stealing elections and laying the groundwork to rule forever. She remembers her dad gave them some prescient advice. My dad worked for the government, and he told us, we have to keep going, we have to fight. Ortega has to go. If not, what is coming is going to be so much worse. A few months later, the government launched a ruthless attack. Graciela remembers police going house to house looking for organizers. Graciela ended up in hiding for months. And when she emerged, the uprising was a memory. Graciela tried to live her life. She got a job, she kept quiet, but even so, at one point police raided her home. They took her things and accused her of helping to organize a rebellion. And from then on, they told us, don't you dare do anything against the government. At around the same time, her dad got sick. She took him to a public hospital, and there, he got even sicker. I ran across the hospital. I cried. I shouted for a doctor asking for help. And no one helped. Her dad died 
and hanging over her was this idea that he was allowed to die because of his politics. And what could we do? We can't do anything. We live with this fear that we can't speak, that we can't complain. The neighbor turns on a faucet, and Graciela grows nervous. She takes a deep breath. Maybe they're listening. Our conversation ends there. Carolina Jimenez Sandoval of the Washington Office on Latin America calls Nicaragua a user's manual for authoritarian leaders. In Nicaragua, says Jimenez Sandoval, Ortega came to power legitimately. Ortega was elected, but how then he changed all the rules of the game to stay in power is a different story. And I think it's a story that we see repeated in, in many countries across the region. Ortega changed the electoral laws. He captured the judiciary. He passed Soviet-style laws to destroy Nicaragua's civil society. In 2021, Ortega imprisoned potential presidential candidates. I don't know how many countries have that very sad record of putting seven presidential candidates in Greece or under house arrest. But perhaps Ortega's most impressive feat, says Jimenez Sandoval, is that he has proven to other authoritarian leaders in the Americas that an iron-fisted rule can survive opposition and sanctions from the international community. The main problem when authoritarianism becomes rooted is that it shows that the international system has few tools to combat this type of government. I sought comment from the Nicaraguan government about all the allegations in this story. We sent emails to Vice President Rosario Murillo, and we also emailed and called the Nicaraguan embassies in the United States and Mexico. They have not responded. In the capital, Managua, I hear that President Daniel Ortega will be giving a public speech celebrating the 44th anniversary of the triumph of the revolution. The radio is full of propaganda. En Nicaragua, Comandante José Daniel Ortega Saavedra, Presidente de la República de Nicaragua. Suddenly, a city that had seemed normal now has police officers on every corner. New checkpoints have been erected around the stadium near Ortega's home. Only a selected few are invited to the president's speech. The rest will have to watch it on the big screen set up across the country. I end up at a park, and it feels like a party. People are drinking, they're chatting, and on the big screen, we see the country's dynasty. President Ortega wears a red members-only jacket and a baseball cap. Rosario Murillo, his wife and vice president, wears a flowing pink dress and matching visor. In his speech, Ortega gives a typical history lesson full of disdain for American imperialism. We wanted peace. We fought against the tyranny imposed by the junkies because we wanted peace. But Murillo is different. She delivers spoken word poetry. How is it possible to understand that absurd chorus of snakes, of treacherous vipers, fabricators of lies? It's clear she's talking about journalists. How to understand those who, in shameless and diabolical pestilences, close themselves to the cosmos? I look around and almost everyone is wearing red and black, the ruling party colors. I wonder what would happen if the crowd knew I was a journalist. For a moment, I let paranoia seep into my thoughts. For a moment, I feel the weight of living here. This is a country soaked in fear. 
You watch your back, you watch your words, you hope that a neighbor, a co-worker, a family member won't betray you. But I realize I'm not the only one who's scared. Fear runs so deep that even the president and vice president don't trust their countrymen enough to hold a real public rally. Ada Peralta, NPR News, Managua, Nicaragua. That's the state of the world from NPR. One more thing. As the year comes to a close, we're asking listeners to support public media in their giving. If you appreciate our reporting, like on-the-ground accounts of what is happening in Nicaragua, please consider helping to make that coverage possible. Here are two ways you can do that. You can sign up for State of the World Plus at plus.npr.org or in Apple Podcasts. You can also make a tax-deductible donation to your local NPR station. You'll find links in our show notes. Our podcast is produced by Greg Dixon with help from Caroline Kelly. I'm Christine Arismith. Thanks for listening. With NPR Plus, there's more to hear, like extended interviews with some of the experts we talk to at Planet Money and The Indicator. It's a mistake for economists to only think about economic efficiency when considering policies because you'll actually wind up with a worse outcome. And with NPR Plus, you help keep NPR going. Learn more at plus.npr.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, where hundreds of researchers make new discoveries inspired by the work of previous Dana-Farber scientists. Learn more about their momentum at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere.